I can't hear me. Oh, now I can. I, I'm just getting very loud. Hey, guys, we're here. You guys made it. You made it through the ice storm, which I just found out is a thing this weekend. I had no idea. Uh, my name is Tony Landini, and I am so excited to be speaking with you guys this weekend as we go through this book of Jonah, as Maddie was just starting us off with. Uh, I want to start with this real fast. Uh, every one of you probably have had a point in time when you're like, mom, dad, or whoever is raising you, like, can I stay up later? Can I just stay up tonight? You get to do that tonight. What a joy that we get to stay up. And so do me a favor. Look at the person on your left and say, you're not tired. Now look at the person on your right. Say, you're not tired. And now look at yourself and say, I'm not tired. That's right. We're not tired. We're going to keep going. Uh, all right, well, I want you guys to, to know me a little bit. So uh, like I said, my name is Tony. Also, my wife, Natalie, is in the back as well. You can wave to Natalie. Uh, here's a picture of us in case you can't look at us personally. Um, ooh, yeah, that was at a wedding back in May uh, for a friend. Um, Natalie and I have been married for going on six years. It's been really sweet. Wow. Whatever number I was going to say, you were going to clap, but it's great. Uh, Natalie and I really love each other. We live in Southern California. Uh, we live in Long Beach or in a city right outside of Long Beach, and that's where like, we do all of our life. And so it was 75 degrees yesterday right before we got on our plane. We were sitting outside like, all right. It's about to drop like 55, 60 degrees. That's like a huge difference. We're going to be fine. We're not going to complain. That's actually our goal. So if you hear us complain about how cold we are, just say, hey, you said no complaining. Uh, we're not going to complain. But that's us. Uh, we have a, a child, and it is a fur baby. Uh, and so this is Pop-Tart. Uh, if you guys, uh, yeah, you remember Pop-Tart? He's a, he's a Chewini. Uh, Pop-Tart is, uh, <laughs> because we don't have any kids, he is our kid. He gets all of the tender love and care. Where are my cat people at? Okay, now I know who uh, I can't relate with. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I, I don't hate cats. I just really don't like them. And so uh, I, I'm a more of a dog person. Uh, and then, if I haven't said it yet, I'm a youth pastor. And so uh, where, are the, where are the youth pastors at or youth leaders? Are you guys going to cheer for them? Come on. They're the real heroes. So I, I'm a youth pastor at a church in Long Beach. We actually just did our own winter camp a few weeks ago. Here's a picture of our crew at, uh, in Perry, California, Paris, California. Um, and we, we ran our own camp, which was really sweet. And actually, just this last Wednesday, we did an event that is one of my favorites. Uh, on Wednesday, we did the VMAs, which are Video and Meme Award Show. Uh, and so we literally just did that. There's another picture of that happening. These were the winners of the videos. And so it's crazy. I was just doing that all of Wednesday. It was a blur. And then I hopped on a plane, and I'm here, and I'm excited. We're all excited, and we're not tired. Uh, but that's just a little bit about me. Uh, but as I introduce myself, and you guys get to know me, obviously I'm, I'm up on a stage, and I'm giving kind of this like general stuff. You don't really get to know me personally. I want to get to know you a little bit. And so if, when you see me and Natalie, make sure you say, what's up? Tell us your name, because we're going to try to remember those things. Uh, we try our best. We, we really want to be able to hang out with you guys throughout this, this weekend. And we know it will fly by, but we're going to make the most of it. But you get to know me a bit. Uh, I, I want to just even acknowledge how everyone is showing up in the room. There is kind of like this spectrum, whether you see it or not, it's, probably, it's invisible, of how we're showing up. And there's, there's a bunch of people who are all across the spectrum of we're showing up either really excited for what is going to happen this weekend for all the fun things, what God is going to do, that he's going to prove himself to be faithful, he's going to do powerful things. Then there's people who are here who are confused of like what is going on. There's confetti all over the floor. I wasn't expecting this. I slipped getting out of the car. You know, like all of the things just confused. And maybe there's some of you who are just like you had to be here, like you were forced to be here and you don't really know why you're here. 
or maybe even, God, I don't even know if you're real. Like, is it even possible for you to do something this weekend if you don't exist? We're all across the spectrum right now in what it, we're, how we're showing up, and so I acknowledge that. Can I just say that, that God knows exactly how you're showing up into this room? He knows exactly where you're at. He's well aware. He's not surprised by it. And so would you actually be uh, honest enough with yourself to acknowledge, this is how I feel tonight. This is how I feel going into this whole weekend, and to know that God wants to meet you where you're at. Where you're at. I love how... Uh, Maddie's giving you guys the challenge to, to read the whole book of Jonah because I truly do believe the best way that God meets with us is through his word. He has spoken to us through his word and he is speaking now through it today as well. And so you are gonna meet with God most regularly through listening to what he has said already and what he's continuing to say. And so all throughout this weekend, we're actually gonna be reading the whole book of Jonah together in here. And so uh, I encourage you to do it maybe a second time, do it twice. Uh, but every time when we come together to teach, we're gonna all open up to the passage. And so if you have your Bibles, you should turn there. It's going to be in Jonah. Uh, if you need the table of contents, that is okay. That is great. It's there for a reason. And you can flip to where Jonah is at. Uh, and we are going to be reading the first 10 verses in Jonah. And so uh, this is what I do also. This is something that I like to do. Every time when we read a passage of scripture together, we are actually going to stand up together. And I'm going to read it. You don't have to read it out loud. You can follow along in your Bible. But we're going to stand up together. And the reason why is because typically, oh, you, you can hold on a sec, okay, you guys are so excited, thank you. Uh, typ typically, I, I think sometimes we, we can rush past the fact that this is God speaking. But in our, in our culture, when we want to give someone respect, we typically stand up for them. Like if we're doing the national anthem, or maybe even when a judge walks in the room, we stand up. And so this is just an opportunity for our hearts to match our posture by standing up as we read God's word. And so now that you guys are already ready, you guys can stand on up. We're going to read Jonah, starting in verse 1 of chapter 1. You there? Perfect. Jonah 1.1. 1, 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Would you guys pray with me as we ask God to bless the reading of his word? Father, we acknowledge you as as king, even in this moment, as we are reading your words to us. And God, we pray that you would open up our hearts, our minds, and avail to us. Make it so known that you are real 
and you are working. And God, I pray that these words would just uh, go clearly into where you want it to in our lives. Would your word intersect in ways maybe it hasn't before? Um, and God, would uh, you give us even the stamina tonight uh, to continue on to, to see what the things that you have for us. We love you, Father. Pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Sit down, please. All right. Whenever you're reading anything, whenever you read any single thing, it is always helpful to know the context. It's always helpful to know the context. What is going on? Like, you don't just open... Uh, a, a random recipe and start reading it and start applying that to your life like as a self-help book, right? You've got to know the reason why it was written. And so when we are looking at the book of Jonah, we have to know the context. Why was it written? Why is it there? What is going on? The book of Jonah is happening in the section in your Bible in the Old Testament. It's in the first half of the Bible. And what you see is that it's during this time of the minor prophets, it's during this time when God is calling certain people to go out as, on his behalf to speak to the people that he wants to talk to. It's actually one of probably the most uh, passed over parts of the Bible because you typically need to know a lot of the history of what's going on behind it to know exactly what it means. But that's where the book of Jonah lies, and that's where we're going to be going. But when I say the word prophet, what comes to mind for you? Like, when you, you say money? Money. Okay, so prophet. Ah, I see now. I didn't think of that. So prophet, P-R-O-P-H-E-T. Uh, when, when I say prophet, what do you think of when I spell it that way? I don't know. You don't know? Uh, I think sometimes when I hear the word prophet, I start thinking of like fortune teller, like future, right? Like, oh, they're going to be able to predict what's going to happen. Or maybe even someone with like a, a sandwich board and a megaphone telling me what's going to happen, and they're really loud. Like, that's the image that I, I get, and maybe some of you have gotten before as well. But really, the idea of what a prophet is in, in Scripture is that they're God's spokesman, that they are speaking on behalf of God, not speaking something new, like not making something up, but saying what God wants for them to say to other people. And so in other words, it's like, it's really like God's Bluetooth speaker in a way. It's like, you're going to go where you need to go and you're going to project my message to who I want you to project it to. And that's what Jonah is. Jonah is a prophet of God and he's supposed to be proclaiming God's word to people. But we also see, like we saw in the opener and we see in this passage that Jonah is, is also just human. He's just like any other person. And just like any other person, he's going to make mistakes. It's made so clearly throughout the entire book of Jonah. I'm uh, currently getting my master's right now. Uh, for those of you uh, who, who don't know, a master's is when you go to school, after you go to school, after you go to school. Uh, and so I, I'm getting my master's right now, and I'm taking a class currently, like I'm in it right now, that's called Counseling in Physiology, which you're like, what is happening? It's counseling and how the body works. And so in that class, we were just talking about two weeks ago, just how like the brain is what like all of your thoughts and like all of your like nervous system kind of is like the hub of where everything is happening. You know this, right? That your brain is where your thoughts are and things like that. And so I, we were talking about that, but then we started talking about reflexes. And we're talking about how uh, we have reflexes that typically if you experience some sort of pain, the pain receptors, like let's say you touch a hot pan, right? Or uh, maybe even like you hit your knee on something. It's like the, your pain receptors will travel from where you, you hurt yourself and travel to your spine to go up to your brain. 
But what happens is, is immediately, instead of going all the way up to the brain for your brain to tell you what to do, your spine actually immediately responds. And when it sees pain, it's like pulls you back away from it to protect you. It blew my mind. It's like, wow, my spine is able to actually control what my body is doing before my brain even says so, which is why we are so quick with reflexes, because it doesn't have to travel as far in the nervous system. Is anyone geeking out about that? Because I am. Like, that just blows my mind. Thank you. Okay, one person. Woo! Uh, and so the nervous system just, like, responds so rapidly to what happens. We have, uh, like, an incredible reflex system and just responding involuntarily and rapidly I want you to notice that as we look at this passage, that I, I truly believe our hearts have reflexes too. Our hearts have a reflex. That when things happen to us, when we receive something or responding to something, there's a reflex that we have. And we see it throughout this passage. There's a few things I want to point out specifically in this passage of reflexes that we see. The first one is naturally, we do what we think is best for us. Naturally, we do what we think is best for us. If you're taking notes, this is a good time to do it. Naturally, we do what we think is best for us. Right here in the beginning of Jonah 1, we see that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. So we see that God is speaking to Jonah, which is worth noting that our God is one who actually interacts with the world. He's not distant. He's actually with us. And he speaks to Jonah. He says, Jonah, you're going to go preach to Nineveh. You're going to go tell them they need to stop living the way that they're living because they're ignoring me. They're acting like I don't exist. And so you're going to go over there and you're going to tell them that they need to change, they need to start following me, or destruction's going to come. That's what he's saying. You're going to go and do this for me. Go preach to Nineveh. Tell them who I am. Now, most of us, we, we have no idea where Nineveh is or what a Nineveh is. And so we just, it kind of like rolls past us. But really, Nineveh is like the city that's going to be the capital of Assyria. And Assyria was like, one of Jonah's people's worst enemies. And so it's like God saying to Jonah, hey, you're going to cross enemy lines and you're going to go tell them that they can change their life if they look to me and I will forgive them. And what does Jonah do? He hears that and he's like, huh? You want to forgive the people that have caused so much pain to my people? Uh-uh. That's not the way it's going to work. We see right here that it's a tough pill for, to swallow for Jonah, and he has a heart reflex moment of doing what he thinks is best, in which is here in verse 3. But Jonah rose up to flee, which I, I think I heard someone laughing. It's so hard for me to say Tarshish. Is, I like struggle every time. Maybe you do too. You can find out later. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish uh, from the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now, once again, geography, uh, also ancient history. But it's like, what does this all mean? Here's a map for you of like kind of painting the picture of what's going on. So Jonah is in Joppa, and he's being told, hey, head to Nineveh, 550 miles away. That's a long journey. But where is he going? I'm going to go over to Tarshish instead. So not only is Jonah saying, it's a better idea for me not to go there, it's actually a better idea for me, God, to run the opposite direction. Like, I'm going to run as far away as possible from what you are asking from me, God. I'm going to go this way. We see that Jonah believed that his idea was actually greater than God's ideas, that he had a better idea than what God had for him. And you know what? That's a dangerous thought, to believe that we have better ideas than God. 
But as dangerous as it is, it is actually a really common idea. We think that our ideas are best. I remember thinking, like, when I was in middle school, that I just knew what the perfect diet was. Like, I just thought, like, I know what my body needs. It needs three Red Bulls and, a, like, a bag of gummy worms. Like, that's what, that's what I need to eat. That's all I need to do, right? And I just, I just thought I had it figured out, and I knew what was good for my body. And it, or, or maybe even, like, I, I would think that, like, it was better for me to sleep in on a Sunday because, like, I'm exhausted from the week than going to, to, to Catholic Mass with my family. Like, I just was like, this is better. This is the right call. And I, I would learn that I didn't always have the best ideas. Typically, we don't always have the best ideas, but we think we do, especially when we're comparing them to what God wants. Most of us try to get out of doing things unless it benefits us or makes us look good. We, we try to avoid helping others if it's going to cost us something. But we think that it's better for us to kind of preserve ourselves than help others. So many times we think our ideas are just better. Or maybe we actually just don't even consider God's ideas, his plans. So naturally, ours becomes most important. Naturally, we do what we think is best for us. Now, the second thing we see is that naturally, we rely on what we want to rely on. Look back at the passage. Look at verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship started to break, threatened to break. Then the mariners were afraid, and each called out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down to the inner part of the ship and lain down. It was fast asleep. Has anyone here been on a boat before? Okay. Whoa, <laughs> yeah, the hands slowly. Yes, I have been on a boat. Uh, how many of you have been on a boat during a storm? Okay. Is it scary? Kind of, yeah. A little bit, right? Because what can you do? Nothing. Nothing, right? You are not in control. You are on a boat that is rocking back and forth, and you're like, I hope this doesn't capsize. I'm going down. This is it. These guys, these mariners, these sailors, how many times do you think they've been on a boat before? Many times. This is their lives. This is what they do. And during this storm, what are they doing? They're freaking out. They're like, this is it. This is the worst storm I've ever been a part of. And they start just calling out to any God they can find. Like, they're just like, anyone listening, I'm just going to call out to any religion that I can find that maybe some God will answer me because I am so desperate. On the flip side, where's Jonah? He's down below sleeping. Do you think it's because he's not afraid? You got these guys who've been on boats countless times, and they're freaking out. I think something else is going on with Jonah. I think Jonah's actually being really stubborn here, that he knows exactly what's going on. Of, oh, okay, I, I know what God is doing. He sent me somewhere, and I'm not going there. He's rocking the boat, but you know what? I'm going to stay right here. This is exactly what I'm going to do because I decided this is what's best for me. I'm going to rely on myself. Another heart reflex moment. For both sides, for the sailors, they're just going to call out. They're going to rely on anything that they can reach out and grasp and it holds them. And so they're just trying to find something. And then you got with Jonah, you know what? Which actually I think a lot of us can relate to. I'm just going to hold on to myself. I've got myself covered. This is my plan and I'm not going anywhere. I think we relate to that, that so many of us, we, we hate needing help. I know I feel that every time I walk into a Home Depot. I feel it every single time. I don't know what I'm doing, but I don't want to ask for help. We just hate asking for help because we don't want to look vulnerable. We don't want to look like we don't have things figured out. Am I right? Like, it's just so hard to ask for help. Most often, we want to rely on ourselves. 
We hate asking for help. We hate relying on something else. Naturally, we rely on what we want to rely on. And then this last one, naturally, we deceive ourselves. Naturally, we deceive ourselves. You got in this passage in verse 7, they, they start casting lots on the boat, which means like they're like rolling dice to try to figure out who is it, God? Would you make it clear just by the circumstances that it would fall on the person that we think it is? And somehow it lands on Jonah. Coincidence? Eh, I don't think so. And they find out, okay, Jonah, you're the oddball. You're the one that was sleeping down below. Tell us who you are. What are you doing? How did you get into this situation? And look at what Jonah said. I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Wait. You said you fear God? Then why are you in this situation in the first place, Jonah? If you feared God, Jonah, wouldn't you fear actually running the opposite direction from where he said to go? Jonah knows exactly what to say in this moment. He has all the right answers. He knows what he's supposed to say, but does his life actually look like that? Not in this moment. And so he's deceiving himself. He's tricking himself. It's a heart reflex moment where he begins convincing himself that he's in the right when he's not. Once again, can you relate? Maybe you find yourself asking questions or uh, making statements of yourself of like, I don't really have any hard things in my life. Is that actually true? Do you really not have any hard things in your life? Or are you just avoiding them? Or maybe you make statements like, I don't care what happens when I die. I really don't care. Really? Do you really not care? Or are you just too afraid to care? Or maybe you've made a statement like, I love God. But when you look at your life, it looks no different from someone who would say that they hate God, that there's no difference. Do you deceive yourself? Most of us have that heart reflex of actually deceiving ourselves. Naturally, we do it. We are so good at tricking ourselves into believing something that's just not true of us. So in this story of Jonah, we see, naturally, we do what we think is best, we rely on what we want to rely on, and we deceive ourselves. That's our heart reflex. That's what happens when things come our way that we respond to so naturally. And those are just a few things in the beginning of the book of Jonah that we see, but our hearts are so much more complex than that. Really, what the Bible says is our heart's reflex to things, with the, the like, churchy word that it uses, it says sin. That's what our heart's reflex is. It's sin. And like I said, that's a churchy word. It's one that you won't hear in many places other than a camp or at a church. But what does it mean? I think we could roll right past it without actually sitting with it. Sin is any thought, intention, or action that conflicts with who God is. I'm going to say that again because I don't want you to miss it. It's any thought, intention, or action that conflicts with who God is. It literally means missing the mark. Like it was like an archery term. Like you're missing the bullseye. And so what it means is that we were intended, we were designed, created by God to reflect him. And when we fail to do that, we are missing the mark of reflecting him. Therefore, we are sinning. We are in sin. To sin is to live unlike God. It's in a way of living that pretends like he doesn't exist. It looks like thinking we know what's best without considering him. It looks like relying on ourselves instead of relying on him. It looks like choosing to believe in ourselves and not in him. And the fact is, God is holy, which is another churchy word, but it means that God is separate and distinct. He is perfect in beauty. And therefore, it's, he, he's just like the opposite of what sin is. He hates sin. 
and he hates sin because he knows what it does. It separates us from him. God is perfection, and sin is literally imperfection. And so those two things can't combine. And God knows we weren't designed to sin. Therefore, when we are in sin, it breaks his heart. Romans 6.23, it's a passage that's worth, worth memorizing. It says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And what that means when it's talking about death is not just uh, physically dying. We weren't designed to die, but we do now. We know that that's something that, that we have to go through. But also spiritually, that our relationship with God is cut off because of sin. Your heart's reflex is sin. Wait, how do, how do those two things go together? How does that even happen? We naturally respond to things in this life with sin, and yet the wages of it, the minimum wage for sin is death. That means we've all earned that. That means every single one of us in this room, every single person that's walked the face of this earth is guilty of that. What does that mean? What do we do with it? It doesn't take much convincing uh, to, to really convince you guys that the world is broken. You just turn on the news, right? And, or go on social media and you're just, there's brokenness everywhere. It's all over the place. There's brokenness out there and there's brokenness in here. That all of us fall short. All of us have a heart reflex that does not reflect God. So why do, why do we not take this more seriously? Well, I, uh, I have a theory on that. Uh, the reason why we don't take sin more seriously is because of this ladder. All of us, we function in our society with imaginary ladders. You all got an imaginary ladder. I'm going to make sure this thing's stable. Otherwise, there's going to be a lawsuit. Uh, all of us function with imaginary ladders, right? Where we picture how good we are at something, and we picture how we compare to others. So imagine you all have imaginary ladders. And like for me, specifically, if I'm thinking about like, man, where do I stack up in comparison when it comes to basketball? I'm a huge basketball fan. Uh, I'd probably put myself like, probably like right here. Like this is like compared to everyone else, this is like on my ladder where I'm at. Uh, where would you put yourself on your ladder? Just think about it. You don't have to like say it. Maybe you're still on the ground, right? Maybe you're sitting on the top. But you're like, okay, that's how good I'm at, 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 at basketball. Or what about for baking? I'm going down. When, uh, <laughs> I'm going right here. When it comes to baking, I just like, I just stink. I'm, I'm not good at baking whatsoever. Now, comes to Mario Kart. Yeah, all the way up top, right? I'm right here. I'm not going up any higher. Uh, okay, maybe. Uh, up here. So this is where I'm at. I know John's sweating. Uh, when, when I compare myself, I look like I, I feel pretty good up here. But here's the problem with this. This isn't bad in and of itself that there's a ladder that exists in our mind. The problem is when we start feeling better about ourselves or worse about ourselves because we're where we stack up compared to others. When we start to feel insecure because we look up and we see there's so many people further ahead of me. Or you start to look down and say, I, I'm really good. There are so many people below me in this. When I compare, man, I'm pretty good. The worst part about it is we actually do this with how good we think we are. Every single one of us, we've, we've all been guilty of this before. We think of how good we are compared to others. 
Like we think, oh, on a ladder compared to how, like how good other people are, I'll, I put myself at least like halfway up, right? I'm not that good, but I'm also not that bad. I can find plenty of people below me that are worse off than me. Have you thought that? Have you felt that way before of like, I'm not the worst, there's someone below me? And we start to compare ourselves to others, which causes us to actually feel this like poor sense of confidence before God. Because we think, oh man, I'm better than other people, therefore I'm good. God has never called you to be better than other people. He's called you to be holy like he is holy. Therefore, we're not supposed to be on these ladders comparing ourselves to others. We're actually comparing ourselves to the sun. We're looking up at the sun, which is 92 million miles above us, and saying, where do I stack up to God? I am so far below him. I can actually never, ever reach him on my own. Because we can't. We cannot achieve that. We cannot get up to God on our own. Something else had to change. Because our hearts are sinful reflexes and we don't stack up compared to God, we do not deserve God's love. We just don't. There's nothing that proves that we deserve God's love on our own. But yet we know that the story continues. And even though we didn't deserve it, God's going to respond to us. We're going to see how God responds to Jonah in his sin, in his waywardness, and how he continues to pursue him. We're going to do that throughout this weekend. Would you pray with me? Father, we are just so grateful for the fact that you are God who has pointed out truth to us. And God, even in our uh, sinful reflexes that we respond to things so selfishly, so uh, backwards, Lord, you still listen. You still love us. You are continuing to offer yourself to us, even though we don't deserve it. And so, God, I pray for this crew. Uh, would, you just, would you just break in to their hearts this weekend? Would we have all the fun we could possibly have, but would we also be transformed by you in ways that only you could transform us? We love you, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said?